fuck. I mean, listen, I know I'm usually good about it, but I have now clicked. No, record. man, that was like <laughs> false start. Music, music cue doesn't even go here. We're not even doing the grinding metal part. We're going. Hello, everyone. I'm Michelle Perez. Uh, as always, I'm joined by a menagerie of buddies, and uh, these buddies are joining me on the Pig Iron Podcast. Uh, buddy, the first, my buddy Jake. Buddy, the second, uh, the ghost and visage of uh, one Ruben, who will materialize soon enough. Uh, buddy, Eliza Gager. And buddy, new partner in crime, Lucy. And uh, today, yes, we're joined by Caitlin. Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, very excited. Very excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was uh, basically going to, gosh, I'm sorry to space this. Uh, Eliza, you are actually going to introduce Caitlin. Uh, I'm aware of uh, your output and stuff uh, as a social media personality, but terms of actual output eliza is much more knowledgeable uh than myself yeah i was gonna say also i don't i i know you personally in my head i go that's twitter kate but i don't know if you have a another like a, a, a way that you go by throughout the, the whole internet i know that right now you're punished kate on twitter currently yes uh but no actually twitter kate is just my my legal uh yeah. my legal name <laughs> at this point uh kate yeah kate is fine my real name's caitlin but over the past couple of years i picked up kate that's what's up well uh kate is very well known on twitter for being both extremely beautiful and also very funny as well as a extremely good hunter gatherer of internet content really good screenshots uh originate on kate's twitter quite a bit kate's twitter is something that you see used as a source for screenshots and stuff posted elsewhere quite a bit. So you've probably seen her around. Um, she's also famed just for being good at makeup and also very beautiful. So we wanted to get her on specifically to talk about how to take a good selfie, which is a subject that I get asked about quite a lot. Um, you don't have to be beautiful to take a good selfie. That's kind of the, the the crux of the issue that I want to push here is that good lighting, good technique, and knowing your angles will do all the work for you. Um, you don't have to be good at makeup. You don't have to be good at anything. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So uh, someone actually asked me recently how I met Kate, and I had, don't remember. I have no idea. I think we probably <laughs> just started following each other on Twitter and that was it. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember a time of like, bef I don't think there was a before time no. before we followed each other. Just since we've just followed each other since the dawn of time. Yeah. As soon as you made your Twitter accounts, it was just there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. out of the blue. Yep. There, but, uh... There is an understanding on social media between hot girls. So like if someone is like a hot girl on social media, there is... There is a, a magnetism, unless one of them mm -hmm. pisses the other one off, and then there's, you know, kind of an enmity that lasts for years. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, otherwise they, they sort of tend to, to it's, draw to together like, like oh, beads sorry. of mercury. 
<laughs> Go ahead. I'm, I'm no, sorry. no, I apologize. I, I was not trying to interrupt it, Ernest. Um, yeah, no, no. I, all I was going to say is sometimes it, it's like good natured and other times it is like Kurosawa, like death oath shit. It's intense. Yeah, it can get bad. I've, I've got it. There are a few there are a few enemies out there. But we're not here to talk about that today. No we're enemies. To talk about no enemies. Yeah. Very, thank, <laughs> very thankful. Very thankful. Not have Twitter enemies. <laughs> Don't do it. Not, not even once. Mm -mm. Um, but with selfies, I do think that. So my whole thing, I'm not. I don't know how much I'll have to say this episode because I'm not a selfie taker, and it's not in particular because I don't like looking at myself or anything like that. It's that I, my like like Eliza said, I see so many selfies. And I don't have I don't have anything really to consider about the person taking the selfie. My first thought is simply that's a bad photo. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. once I know it's a bad photo, it's like, well, I, I, that's not even like. There's so many little things, and I only know this from working at a company that made photography education material. I didn't. I, it's like an osmosis that I ended up having to know, like sort of where light can go, where light looks good basically mm -hmm. is, is, is a big one, but that's something that phones don't tell you or show you. And the, with the ease with which you can just snap a picture without stopping to go, Hey, is this in focus? Hey, how's my lighting look? I think that's the stuff that, that is like interesting to think about when you're taking selfies and, and the, the stuff that I was like trying to, I was like trying to be like, what do I have to say today? And it's really just that like, I just want people to take better photos. I don't care how you look dog. Just make that lighting good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a public service, you know. It's like one one less shitty picture that I have to see, scrolling on my feed. And <laughs> in, in that sense, it is very uh, very socialist. It's praxis, you could say. Yeah, honestly, like everyone <laughs> should get photography lessons if everyone's going to have a phone. I agree. It just makes things easier. It also just teaches you how to look at image and images and how to interpret images, which is all we do all day um, anyway. And it, I think it increases the depth of your enjoyment for an image if you're like, I like this picture, but because I've had some education, I know why I like this picture. And it just gives you more stuff to think about, which is fun. Mm. You know, even if you're not using it for any professional reason or any material reason, it's... It's fun. It uh, blows your brain up a little bit. So, Kate, the other day uh, in the Discord server that you and I are both on, someone asked you, how do I take a good selfie? And you delivered uh, concise and understandable instructions that I would love for you to repeat here. So how do you take a good selfie? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that you've been asked this question often, and, you know, as have I. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, it is... I. First of all, you start it for, in my case, you start uh, 15 years ago uh, with the worst camera you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. um, you don't actually have to start that way, um, you know, these days. Um, but the biggest thing that people have to kind of overcome when they're in the very, very early stages of taking selfies is kind of you have to break that connection in your mind between you as a concept and you know the image that's going to be displayed on your phone and you also have to break that kind of that expectation you have that 
you know, you're going to be a model at a photo shoot. You're going to take one perfect picture and you're going to put it online and that's going to be it. Uh, Every, and here's, here's the hot girl secret. Uh, Every good selfie that you've ever seen anyone post, it was probably 15 to 30 images Mm -hmm. that they then kind of whittled down to you know, which one, you know, where's the lighting best? Where's the, where's, you know, which of these uh, images is the most well composed? Uh, So that's the, that's the hot girl secret. So if you've ever taken your phone out and snapped one picture and been like, I give up, this is the worst picture I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just never going to try again. uh, You have to like, it's, it, it's going to be a process and you have to kind of, you know, Like you don't, you know, you don't always have to set aside three hours to do a whole photo shoot, but having that kind of forgiveness for yourself and that understanding that it's not just going to be perfect right out of the gate, I feel Mm. like makes it not only easier, but a lot more fun, the -hmm. process, because you don't, you don't feel that, that tension, that expectation that whatever I'm doing right now has to be the most perfect thing that I have ever done in my life so that I can capture an image of it. If you have to take some more, it's fine. Yeah, it's free. Take take hundreds if you want. Question? Mm-hmm. So let's say I need to take selfies. I'm dog shit at taking selfies. Um, uh, but the, the main thing I think that's hardest for me is like, uh, what is trying to like brainstorm posture? Like what kind of pose should I be taking and what given environments? Uh, do you have any like leeway or foresight in that kind of scenario or preferences? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tend to, I tend to look at background, um, kind of, first of all, to kind of place myself, you know, in my, my room, of course, I know where all of the, you know, most neutral places are where, you know, where you're going to be able to see my closet in the background, where all my windows are and all of that. Um, so once you have a place that you can kind of comfortably place yourself and not really have to worry about, uh, you know, what's in the background, or then, you know, if you're at one of the, uh, selfie museums or whatever, then, you know, you're picking your background there. So it's either, you know, someplace that, you know, you're already, uh, you know, someplace that you're really going for the background or just finding a background that is going to, you know, not compete with whatever it is that you're trying to capture. Um, as for, as for pose for posture, what I actually found, (laughs) what, what I actually find very helpful is to, kind of just kind of just wiggle it out and it sounds it sounds a little a little silly um but if you really loosen and I do this with my face actually if I'm if I'm trying to take a selfie if I look fantastic and I can't get my facial expression right sometimes I'll do like the like the warm-ups that actors do and really stretch out my mouth and my eyes and then I find a you know a lot easier they're they're all muscles you know yeah. so, I, I was uh, thinking the human torch was denied a bank loan but that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and then kind of to that uh to uh to posture I'm not sure if you meant you know like the the I guess the posture of your whole body, you know, depending if you're doing, you know, a full body selfie or just, just face. Yeah, just like generally um, like how you would pose. 
but um, so if you're kind of trying to establish yourself a good groundwork, um, something that actually, and this is, <laughs> these days it's a little, I guess a little more uncommon, but uh, when I first had, I had, had a digital camera and I don't even remember what it was and it was terrible. And I took so many pictures with it, but when you're using an actual camera, you're not using your front facing camera. Um, and what that does is it makes you, <laughs> what I did for a very long time was take pictures in front of a mirror with the lens pointing toward myself and looking at the picture on the back of the camera in the mirror. Hmm. That gives you, it, it gives you not just, you know, not just to kind of direct the, the photograph itself, but also because then you can, uh, you can associate, you know, the way that you were holding your body, the way that holding your body feels, you can see it actively shifting um, with, and I think that's, that's something that's been kind of lost um, with, <laughs> with, a, with the advent of phones that all have front facing cameras. Um, the way that you, you know, the way that the image is going to come out is always going to be a little different. Um, and I, I feel like the, the front facing camera, it, it kind of disconnects you from that. Whereas, uh, I, and I, I've still done it. Like I, I, I still take pictures when I, when I need to kind of reorient myself, I do the same thing where, um, I'm using the actual camera flipped around so that I can see the composition of the picture. And that also helps, I find, um, kind of help you figure out your your best angles which is you know when when you ask someone how to take a good selfie that's what they're going to say uh, you know any good picture that's what they're going to say probably 90 percent of the time is learn your angles how and would you I learn an it, angle yeah. uh like uh is it kind of like the thing of like you draw like an x with your nose i think is something i've heard and then like you're checking your 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 diagonals to see how those look towards the camera or how does that kind of go I mean, you can do that. I don't know that I've ever done anything like that. Um, what, uh, and this all, I, I guess, <laughs> I, I didn't intend this for this too, but it kind of all made a big circle in my head where um, <laughs> you, what you're really going to do is just take 400 pictures of your face from every <laughs> single possible angle. And there's no... <laughs> Reforce it. There's no, I see what you mean. there's no actual real good way to do it because even, you know, even if you're using your, your front facing camera and you kind of see uh, kind of a prediction of what the image is going to look like, um, it's not quite the same as the final image is going to turn out. So you just, it, you know, you just kind of find, you find some angles that kind of look good. You do your little, do your little photo shoot and then you actually go back and look at the actual final images. Um, and then it just becomes kind of like muscle memory. <laughs> at yeah, I get point that. That's kind of what you're where, saying earlier of when you disconnect uh -huh. the camera by using the front facing camera is that mm -hmm. you're you're locking in this arm angle, setting my body mm -hmm. in a certain posture. And it exactly. Things. The front and rear facing cameras also have different lenses. And those mm. those different lenses are gonna make you look different. Cameras lie. And it's because the shape of the lens distorts the image that is captured by the phone. And of course, in the case of phones, which we're all using now more than cameras, the phone image is also going to go through software processing, a lot of which we don't even 
we have no access to and we can't control. A lot of the images that are coming out of phones right now are being like retouched and tweaked in different ways um, that we just don't see. So some of that tweaking is going to be like if your face is at the edge of the edge of the camera frame, for example, it might look stretched out and weird, which will, you know, kind of set off a little red flag in your brain. It's going to look like, oh, that's not me. I don't like that. That's that's weird. And that those distortions are part of the lens. It's not what you look like. You haven't failed at taking that photo. It's all the camera and um it's just something to keep in mind when you're when you're taking those pictures. So if you're taking if you're doing the selfie, you know, the typical selfie setup where you're looking at yourself in the screen of the phone as you're taking the picture, that's going to make your face look much different than if you turn the phone around and use the the other the other uh, camera lens because they're physically they are two different cameras and they are two different pieces of hardware and that hardware makes a big difference. There are some pictures online examples where they're like you know, here's the focal distance that we used and here's the lens that we used and they will take a million pictures of the same model showing you how that model changes. So a big one is that a lot of these, uh, when you're taking a selfie, a lot of the time your nose in the front of your face will be, will look weird and elongated and like drawn towards the camera lens. And that's just a function of the lens itself and a function of being close to you. So generally if you're far away, if someone's far away from you and then taking a picture of you there, the image of you is going to look a little bit more, a little bit more level, a little bit more flat. And I just want to reiterate that, you know, what Kate was saying earlier is if you feel like you look good in the mirror and you turn your camera around to take a picture of yourself and it looks like shit, that's not your fault. That's the camera. The camera's fucking up. It's not capturing what you actually look like. And that's scary when you're starting to take pictures of yourself. You get all of these images that are completely unfamiliar and they're terrifying and they can cause dysphoria and dissociation and you're like oh my god this is weird do I actually look like this the answer is no <laughs> you do not actually look like that so just remember that the camera is a liar and the process of taking pictures is a process of making the camera do what you want through distance light different kinds of lenses um, different ambient settings and all that kind of thing so with, with Ruben was talking about posture, that's a big thing with like professional modeling. Um, I'm not I'm not a real model. I don't have a modeling agency or anything like that. I've just done a lot of modeling sort of as a side job. Posture is a big deal when someone's taking a picture of your whole body. And it's helpful because you get a lot of feedback. Like the photographer will be like, oh, don't move your neck like that. Your vein is sticking out. Okay, relax your shoulders to the right. Do it to the left, blah, blah, blah. So you get this constant feedback of all of the ways that you look bad <laughs> and you can sort of incorporate that into uh, your self-image and that's how you learn your angles as well by taking those bad pictures so when you get that bad picture you're like oh that's a bad angle for me or that's a bad distance for the camera to be or that's a bad light for me so I can I can mark that off I can put that into my mental spreadsheet as something not to do again Sorry, I just wanted to add in that, uh, you know, even if uh, you haven't done any modeling, um, what you can do is post your pictures online and lots and lots of strangers would be very happy to provide <laughs> you with similar feedback. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just for, you can also, you know, all I mean, us, uh... doing something like posting it on Reddit, uh, roast me is, you know, that's like, the trial by fire mode <laughs> and if you're strong enough sure go for it um 
But you can also just send pictures to your friends and tell them, hey, be really honest with me which of these two pictures is better and tell me why. So that's a, that's, that's a way to do that that's a little bit more gentle. I did trial by fire by doing, you know, photo shoots and stuff. But the other big thing I did, and I've talked about this a little bit before, we should do a whole episode on it actually because it's a very good self-employment scheme. I was an art model, a nude art model. So I was naked in front of college students or like drawing groups of old people. And they're not going to tell you that you look bad because that's not the point of a nude figure modeling. They're drawing me because they want to learn anatomy and volume and stuff. But what really freaks you the fuck out is when you get down off the podium during your break and you walk around and you look at everybody's drawings of you. And that, I think, really fixed a lot of the problems I had with my like physical ego because... A lot of these people were not good at drawing because they're students, they're learning. The whole point is to make a bad drawing of me. So I saw insane things. I saw myself really big. I saw myself really skinny. I saw, you know, pieces of anatomy that the, the, the artist fixated on and like obsessed about and made really big. So I looked cartoonish. Um, some of them made me super ugly. And it was just like, all of the things about my face that can be generalized, like my eyes are slightly close together, you know, and that would be very emphasized in amateur drawings because that's what we do when we are amateur. We emphasize the things that we notice instead of sort of smoothing them out into a more realistic drawing. So that fucked me up. Um, <laughs> and then I sort of, I sort of got through the, the shadow of the Valley of Death and seeing myself a million different, really terrible ways, uh, and looking at all these people in a room who apparently thought I looked like that was like, okay, there's just nothing I can do about this. It's just my job. Um, and it, it gave me a big dose of body neutrality, which I think is something that we want to want to emphasize with selfies, but also just as a general life approach. You know, it's not your body is not bad or good. It's it's a body. It exists in space. Uh, Lucy's had her hand up for a while. Lucy, what's up? Oh, it's okay. This, this, this definitely could wait. So um, what I've been wondering this entire time is um, you, you briefly mentioned um, that images are getting processed in a way that's not always apparent to the user. Correct. Um, I was wondering, um, I know you've spoken a lot, Eliza, about like how TikTok will automatically like filter videos of mm -hmm. people's faces. Um, but yes, Kate, I was yes. wondering, what do you think of like doing face tuning for people's like selfies, that sort of thing? I, so my opinion on this is, is of course, I, I'm of many minds. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to say I am, of course, you know, fully in support of face tuning. I feel that you should be able to control the way that you're seen. I don't feel like there should be kind of a, uh, that you should have, you know, an obligation to present images that aren't exactly the way that you want them. Um, with that being said, uh, it is very hard to consider that in a vacuum, um, especially uh, if you <laughs> if you encounter, for example, a lot of those, you know, uh, you know, beautifying TikTok and Instagram filters. A lot of them are skin lightening, face slimming 
nose slimming and none of these things exist in a vacuum um so i feel like face tuning it can it can uh, kind of encourage the 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 natural tendency that people have to try to beautify themselves toward a very very narrow you know white european appearance um and especially sometimes without your knowledge uh you know like I, like i said a shocking number of the instagram filters that are just beautifying or also they they make you look very very different um the other the other strong opinion that i have is of course i i support you know again like i said being able to present yourself in a way that you're truly happy with uh the other the other piece of that is when you see influencers on instagram or anything who are specifically promoting their face uh for some reason or another especially mm-hmm. you know for makeup or for skincare and they're very very much changing those images it's definitely dishonest uh which you know i <laughs> i i i feel like it sounds a little you know obvious uh at this point but you know presenting it sounds yourself... obvious but a lot of people are not they're not detecting it they're not noticing it anymore and that's really bad for our brains if we look at an image and we think oh okay i you know i have a background in photoshop i know what they did to this picture i know that this person doesn't look like that that's one thing you can you can appreciate it as as art as like a a created image like jake was saying everybody should have some some photography education everyone should have some retouching education too i think that there should be a presentation in middle school or elementary school you know like third grade where somebody goes to the classroom and shows you on a computer here's how i took this picture of this celebrity with stretch marks cellulite a fat belly and a double chin and turned it into the picture that ends up getting published right because that's vital information to have to prevent this kind of madness that Mm. comes with only seeing processed images and comparing yourself to them. Right. I think the times, I think the times I have seen that where was uh, in high school tech center, they had like a graphics department. It wasn't as widespread or adopted, but they were in the early stages of like teaching kids like, uh, and also when Photoshop licenses were a lot more affordable mm-hmm. and especially school ones, but that's besides the point. And yeah, they, there was like light retouching and stuff for like commercial projects because people wanted you to be able to learn how to make logos for companies and shit like that. Right. There's a level of retouching that I think of as like cleaning up an image for a professional use. Like if you've got an image of a, a stock image of a model there are things about that model that would be distracting to a casual viewer who is viewing that image as like an advertisement or something. So usually they'll like, if you've got a really big zit that day, they'll just, they'll take it off. Or, you know, your neck looks weird because you were about to sneeze and that's just the photo that they chose. Stuff like that, I think of as like cleaning up an image and then the really heavy face tuning and the really heavy skin retouching and stuff like that. That's sort of a level it's a level beyond. Um, I think everybody needs to know about this stuff. Uh, I am definitely seeing Zoomers who are 
on Tumblr mostly, you know, less less on TikTok, less on Twitter, but more on Tumblr, who are doing independent fashion, underground fashion, and like avant-garde stuff are really starting to reject the uh, obligatory face tuning and the obligatory body tuning stuff. They're still taking, you know, interesting, dynamic, and flattering poses and lighting and makeup, but there does seem to be a push away from super skinny, super smooth, super white, uh, and moving towards more, uh, like, being interested in somebody looking strange um, or somebody looking different because we're sick of it. We're tired. This, I mean, this is a pendulum that swings politically all the time. So you go to different eras of photography and you'll see more or less retouching. Um, and retouching started as early as photography did. Retouching is not a new thing. Uh, they used to retouch pictures in the Victorian era when photography was invented. Uh, they did very heavy retouching because they considered photography to be kind of an outbranch of painting. So there was a lot of painting and correcting on top of uh, tintype and ambrotype photos. And you'll see that particularly in pictures of women wearing corsets. If you check the areas, and this is, you know, the mid-1800s up until the very early 1900s, check their waist, you will be able to see scruffy sort of scratches and, you know, marks and stuff, and they will have photographed the model in a way that her waist is silhouetted on a background that is easy to retouch. So there was that kind of, um, that kind of retouching and deception going on way back and so we've always been doing that and being aware of it and seeing it is is comforting to me because i know that it's sort of a it's a human culture thing hmm. um what's up actually, jake you actually uh i raised my hand and like eliza like basically 360 no scoped what i wanted what i was gonna say <laughs> oh, sorry. That, no in a good way in a good way in a good way well because done. i have personal experience not with like actually retouching but i so again i worked for this company that did primarily Photoshop educational materials. Huh? And I was going to bring up the point that there is a very, like, there's no reason for an average person to look at a movie poster and go, how many layers are on this? How right. much masking was involved in doing this? All of these little things that go into retouching and making someone look essentially not like a real life individual uh, in an image, in a picture, in a still. Um, and I got exposed to that by like having to, you know, like watch these classes or like quality control these classes where retouchers would go through and do this. Mm -hmm. And I was going to bring up stuff like Photoshop that you basically nailed and say like, what do we use in Photoshop? Brushes. Why mm -hmm. do we do that? Because it comes from painting, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, it is yeah. all about manipulation. It's all like, there's no, <clears throat> it's so rare that you see a picture these days, any picture that's published that is not, that is, that is literally just the raw from a camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all of them um, get processed. Yeah, yeah, everything gets processed. More time is spent by professional photographers in processing, typically, than shooting. And that's um, always been true. And the fact right. that we, in, in Photoshop, we still call it masking. We still call it dodging and burning. Mm -hmm. uh, those are terms from darkroom photography. Um, so. And so, yeah, as I learned that as just someone in my 20s working for this company, it really did change how I started to look at images and then it start, and then I started to notice things like the beautifying apps yeah. more clearly 
and it yeah. became, you know, I don't have a particular opinion about them, but it is very clear to me sometimes when I see a photo, the mental note I'm thinking is, well, that person looks different in real life in some, in some way, shape or form. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, you walk past the magazine rack at the grocery store. And oh yeah. The oh, way that, that it's you egregious see these those pictures is <laughs> completely different. It changes yes. everything mm -hmm. about the way that you see the world. You Michelle notice airs a lot quicker. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, what I was going to ask was uh, with regard to that, I mean, we've been talking a lot about camera awareness, composition and whatnot. Well, what I kind of was curious about was we've been talking a lot about digital uh, format. Um, have you taken selfies on traditional film? And if so, is there any like that you prefer or a method of shooting uh, with with traditional physical film? I have Kate. What about you? Uh, no, this is going to be no, and it's cool wheelhouse. Unfortunately, that's I, cool. Know, I I only have a little bit of experience with film because film is just it's so much more stuff. You need so much more it's stuff expensive. in order. Yeah, it's expensive. You 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 literally pay for it every time you push the shutter. So it's it's a little different. And I will say that even the professionals who are shooting on film, and I have been shot on film for photo shoots a lot. One of my favorites, I think all of the, my favorite photographers that I've worked with as a model shoot film. Um, there is something different about a film image. And part of it is the commitment that you have to make to the image mm -hmm. because retouching film is so much more difficult. Uh, you physically have to do it in a lab. Um, some some photographers are taking film photography and then retouching it. And something that I noticed around the aughts is that a lot of the film photographers that I was working with switched to digital. They switched to DSLR and just completely lost it. They lost everything that made their film photos so good. And a lot of what made it good was the immediacy, the the reality, the authenticity, you know, whatever you want to call it, of the film. The It's physical. It's, it, I mean, it's literally mm -hmm. a physical material medium, which does make a difference. And I'm saying this as a person who is a professional digital artist. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not just being reactionary about it. But a lot of these guys would start doing stuff like selective coloring, which is where, you know, there's a black and white picture of a woman and the only, there's only one piece of color in the whole picture. And it's like the rose that she's holding or it's her lipstick and it's bright red or whatever. That looks like shit. And when you when you when you are a boomer who has been shooting film, you get the DSLR and you're like, oh my God, I can do all this cool stuff. And you want to play with all your toys. And so they start producing these images where they hit like the, the solarization filter in Photoshop. And we're like, oh, it looks so cool. And just, it looked like shit. Because mm -hmm. um, they got distracted by the technology, I think. Mm -hmm. And forgot forgot their founding principles. Um, if I can so get up with, in here. Sorry, Liza, can chaos. What's up? <laughs> uh, I did do film photography in high school, so I did get a short stint of, of that feel. Up, and I didn't have um, I didn't have a phone. I was very against uh, phones in high school, mainly because it was a way to avoid my parents to say if I don't want a cell phone, they can't contact me when I'm out, and they have to tell and you I have to go right. find a payphone. It's true facts. Yeah, fuck them. Mm. Uh, but the main thing that also fucked that over was that I was like, I'll take photography as elective. I'll fuck around. And the the amount I dislike the DSLR is exactly because of the principle that uh, you need to like when you do a photo, take 15 photos, you know, and that was like most tutorials or most 
ways they would tell photographers to do stuff is like, you know, it's a safety, just do 20. It's free. Your card holds a thousand photos. You're going to be outside for three hours. Just use it all. Um, but there was something about the fucking bolt action reloads on an analog camera where it's like, oh, it's when I take so this good. fucking shot, I got to be ready. I got to be in focus. This shit has to go. I got a picture of a bird and I got its feet in focus and I fucking shit my pants. That was a coolest <laughs> shit in my fucking life. Hell that was yeah. like, that's the pink mist at half a mile. That shit was dope. I, Fuck yeah. I, 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 these are some very mixed metaphors. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that, that's... I, I'm also told a lot by photography teachers they keep talking about how like the camera is a gun and it, it gets pretty real oh my god dude when it i is, when i when i worked at the photography company hey what are we doing today oh we're shooting kids pretty good every morning Damn it. every time I line the bus. Up and shoot them put, yeah. put them up against the wall and shoot them <laughs> i don't know this i don't know this fucking guy i just get on the candy say, cigarettes I, I i had an additional question uh kate um like just just as an offhand thing, like what's a place you would say selfies happen most often? Like like venue wise. Just like if you ever had the impulse to do it, uh, where does the average where, person where would that happen like <laughs> most often? I would say uh probably uh percentage wise the most <laughs> the most common the most selfies are co- at any moment are currently being taken inside bar women's restrooms. Yes. I was about to say that oh. every single time I went out yeah. drinking, I was taking a ton of Snapchats yeah. in the fucking bathroom. Mm-hmm. And if, if that bathroom has bad lighting, fuck Even that venue. Fuck that venue. Like they owe us good lighting in those in those uh in those fucking bathrooms. The best it's lighting sort by of the a, way. Yeah. Sometimes they'll put lights like uh, vanity lights all around the outside of the mirror. And that's the best lighting because it's Mm -hmm. like a huge it's like a huge ring light. So Mm -hmm. if you find a good selfie mirror, it's like finding a fucking pot of gold. Right. Like you and you remember that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm in this bar again. Got to get a selfie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it's it's a kind of it's the culmination of of a lot of things. It's, you know you have a couple drinks in you, you're a little bit more, you know, you, your inhibitions drop. So kind of that, that, uh, that fear that you have in your head, like, what if I take this picture and it's the worst picture I've ever seen. And then I have to cope with the fact that I live like that for the rest of my life, that this is just what I've been looking like. And no one told me. So when you, when you kind of have those inhibitions lowered, you know, you're probably with your friends, you know, you're having a great time. You're like, I'm feeling good. I'm going to take a picture. Um, It's that it's the combination of, you know, you're usually alone in there. So it's like, what's, what's the harm? Uh, There's a mirror. um, You know, you're probably all done up up. your makeup. Exactly. Yeah. You just powdered your nose. You're out looking great. Um, After that, um, I would probably have to say probably the most selfies take place in your house. That's where I take the most selfies. It's where I'm comfortable. You know, no one's, uh, and, and I've, I've been taking selfies long enough that I don't actually really care if, uh, if anyone's watching me take selfies, uh, there's been a lot of times that I was taking a selfie on a train and, you know, another human being was looking at me like I was a cockroach, like just absolutely. But it's uh, just whatever. I don't care at this point. But, you know, there is also that kind of comfort where, you know, I'm in my house. The only person that's going to see me is my pet or, you know, my family, my partner, whatever. You know, you don't really have to worry about someone walking in and 
like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? Um, just from the comfort level, you know, you know, where, you know, where all of the, you know, where the blank walls and the, all of your windows are. And I actually have a picture from the first time that we were touring our apartment. Um, and it's me in what is now our bathroom mirror. And I was like, look at the lighting in this apartment. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I have that on my Instagram still. Um, but just kind of the comfort level, just, you know, you can be home, relax again. You know, you might have a glass of wine, you know, feeling a little, you know, feeling a little toasty. Um, you know, I always look great against, you know, the specific wall. Um, you know, I'm right here in front of my window and I know how, you know, so I, <laughs> I feel like outside of, you know, uh, m- you know, <laughs> outside of a bar bathroom, I, I, I feel like your house is probably for me at least. Yeah. A lot of times also like you will have just, you'll be in front of your mirror in your bathroom or your vanity or whatever, and you'll have just gotten your makeup done and you've got your light on that you use to put your makeup on which is usually pretty good light because you need to be able to see shit so everything's fresh like your makeup hasn't oxidized and slid around yet you're looking you're like right off you're off the factory floor so that's a great time to take a selfie is like before you go out you know because you can see (laughs) you can see the makeup before it completely falls apart i'm very greasy so any foundation that i put on is floating on a layer of grease after between 45 minutes and two hours regardless of the any primer that i use or setting spray doesn't matter it will be coming off of my face (laughs) so getting that early selfie is is important to me lucy you've got your hand uh, up oh sorry kate what were you saying oh um just sorry just real quick just kind of you know um in the same token um even if your makeup, you know, does start to look bad, your house is where all your makeup lives. So, you know, (laughs) if you're out and about and you're like, oh, I want to take a selfie, but then your camera tells you that your makeup is really not, you know, not up to par. Sometimes it's like, well, can't do anything about that. Guess no selfies today at your house. (laughs) Who was it that said before you go out, take a Polaroid of yourself? And this was, this was like back in the day. I think it was like Coco Chanel or somebody said, Mm -hmm before you leave the house for the night, take a Polaroid. Because back in the day, of course, everybody had Polaroids. And what she was saying is just get that last look at yourself that's not a mirror. And that's going to tell you, first of all, what you were going to look like in any photographs that people take of you that night, if you're, you know, going out to an event or something. And also just sort of give you a different a different view of yourself. Um, I wish I could remember which celebrity said that. It's sort of one of the, uh, one of the, I think of it as like female wisdom. This is like things that your mom tells you once and you remember for the rest of your life. Um, and so that was, that's one of the things that was said back in the day was take a Polaroid. <laughs> Lucy? Um, so when it came to lighting, one thing I wanted to ask, and um, this could be either you, Eliza, or Kate, both of you really, um, like kind of towards the start of 2020, like, ring lights really blew up and everyone started having one in their house mm-hmm. do you two have like an opinion on like how many people have like just gravitated towards this particular type of lighting setup and how it's impacted like the selfie landscape so the the thing about ring lights is the first time you use a ring light 
you are going to think I never want to be seen without a ring light ever again for the rest of my life. It is impossible to overstate how big of a difference good lighting makes. Uh, A ring light, especially because for, you know, even even the best lighting in your home, it's usually going to have one light source, one area that it's directed toward your face. Um, A ring light is directing light at your whole face at the same time. Uh, it is, it's, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it makes such a difference and you don't know what a difference it makes until you've tried it. Um, and I feel like that's kind of just what happened is everyone was like, well, I'm at my house. I might as well get a ring light. And then you get a ring light and you can never not have a ring light ever again. They're very affordable now too. I mean, you can pick them up on Amazon for like between five and 10 bucks. You know, Jesus. It's, I know that the popularity I mean, of streaming, the yeah, mm-hmm. like the more people have become used to watching streamers who use ring lights and such, the more I've noticed personally, even friends of mine who maybe don't even Twitch stream, but are like, yeah, I'm on Zoom all the time now. I got a ring light. Right. Like that's the level of consumer like marketing that it's getting to. Well, I mean, it's gone uh, to the point where you can buy one in a CVS now. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are at Ross for like six fucking dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is that is pretty wild, actually. There is something to be said also for if you are working from home and you're zooming into an office meeting, looking professional and looking put together, that's a material benefit to you. I mean, that feeds into like capitalist beauty ideals, obviously. But if you're paying six bucks and it you know, contributes to a raise or it contributes to people just like taking you more seriously because you look better. Um, that's worth it. I mean, that's worth the investment. And I'm not saying that capitalist beauty ideals aren't fucking horrible and mm-hmm. we should abolish them with violence if necessary. But seeing as we exist within material conditions of capitalism, you know, and there are, gotta play the game for now. There are straight yeah. up practical reasons for it too. For instance, I will be at some point in my future conducting therapy through telezoom, through some sort of um, you know, electronic, you know, HIPAA compliant software. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and when that happens, Sorry. if if there's a big shadow over my face, or if the oh, person God. I'm talking to can't see my expressions or can't yeah. read, or if I can't read their expressions. Mm-hmm. That does fundamentally affect the thing I'm trying to do, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's not the same as seeing someone in person. And the closer you can get to that through these sort of stop gaps that we have to use because of the fucking pandemic, that mm-hmm. is that's practical to me. So I'm yeah. like, I'm, I don't have a ring light yet, but rest assured, the moment I start having to do that type of thing, I will get one. It's Jake. not fair. It's not good. It's bad. But yeah, I don't people, like it, but like people judge you. Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I will just say one more thing about this because it, it does play into sort of, you know, the theme of our podcast, which is capitalism and working within capitalism, working for yourself. A lot of th- something that women with chronic pain conditions say to each other a lot, if you are heading to the emergency room with a urinary tract infection or a, a migraine that you can't break or you've got some sort of a rheumatic flare going on, those women put on some makeup, do their hair, and change their clothes. We, we take off the bathrobe, we take off the pajamas, we put on some clothes, we put on some makeup. Because if you show up in the ER looking like a housewife, you know, and your hair's all fucked up and you, your skin's all greasy, 
they are not going to take your shit seriously. They're not going to take you seriously as somebody with pain or with uh, any sort of a chronic condition. And I have noticed this. I go to the doctor a lot. You know, I'm chronically ill. If I show up at the doctor looking put together, but not too put together, like that's the other thing. You don't want to look like you're so put together that you don't have any problems. But, you know, a little powder, a little bit of concealer, clean clothes, though you're going to get your medication that way. You're going to get your treatment. You're going to get listened to. If you show up looking like shit, which is how we usually look when we're in the middle of a migraine attack or whatever, you don't get shit. They're like, oh, this person's drug seeking or this person is hysterical and you you get you get shuffled off. So I, I think it's a little bit it's a it, it is. That applies to everybody, but it is especially important for women and any minority status people whatsoever. I, um, I just wrote down in my notes uh, uh, idea for Patreon episode lying to doctors. Oh, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got a whole episode for that. If, I feel, right. I'd say, yeah, yes. I'm going to flip a coin on that one. <laughs> Although one hilariously, um, to the same token, I, if you're going to the ER, you also can kind of, you also kind of take care, uh, for, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had, you know, female friends discuss this. You also kind of take care not to look too good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially, you know, or if you're going into work and you want them to know that you're sick, uh, if you look too good, they're going to be like, no, like this is, right. uh, you know, you can't. So there's a, it's a, it's a horrible, you know, constantly shifting, shifting scale of trying to look good, but not too good. Uh, but you know, <laughs> when I, I, oh. I was in the, I was in the ER for abdominal pain and I wasn't, I was a, a wreck. Um, and I think kind of being able to see that on my face helped a little bit like, oh, mm-hmm. this girl feels that bad that she couldn't even slap some mascara on like oh something's wrong in there yeah yeah this all reminds me of another thing um kind of related where i've had friends where they would have like guys that are their boss and like if they were if they weren't sick but they wanted to get out of work what they would do is they would just like come in without makeup because some men just are (laughs) so stupid that they can't tell or i I guess that they Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, they aren't the ones putting it on. So I guess it's part of why they can't tell, but also like, maybe just think a little bit. Well, they've but, never just, they've just never paid attention. Like even if they live with women, like they just don't. Right. So yeah. like you, they, if they didn't want to go to work, like, um, they would show up without makeup on and the guy would just yeah. like, assume that they were super sick because they just, <laughs> um, so like hot tip for anyone who wasn't already doing that. Yeah. It's, it's very true. I I've actually done my makeup. So I look sicker when I, mm-hmm. I was already sick, but I was like, my boss does not, he's not going to care. He's not going to let me go home. So I did my makeup to make myself look worse, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which it was, it was a very long time ago. This is a, I think I worked at like, I think it was when I was working in an IHOP maybe. So, you know, not like a, a super high, you know, level of uh, responsibility or anything there, but, um, you know, taking, (laughs) uh, using a little bit of, uh, of green to wash out all the nice, healthy pink in your face. Uh, and then, (laughs) 
you know, playing up the bags under my eyes as opposed to, you know, covering them. It all kind of helps, you know, and then you walk in and they're like, oh, that's, that's no good. That's please, please go away. This is an advanced strategy and I love it. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Strategically, I mean, that's we, valuable. We're, we're undoing 60 years of feminism here. This is high level uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, yeah, the, the, no comment on that one. This that shit's too depressing. That's yeah. we, we have things to do. Uh, it would I know my my solution would just be outlandish, uh, spirit gum, uh, facial prosthetic that is kind of spirit gum based, uh, just a little seltzer oh, tab. Yeah. One thing, and I've then done it looks I... like I have a chemical burn. Like, and a then I go, ooh, ah. Yeah. Uh-huh. A blood capsule you can bite when you're talking to your boss so the blood just kind of I, starts to yeah I was gonna, oh sorry I was that's say. been happening all day sorry yeah. <laughs> sending an intentionally bad selfie to look like sick as fuck too right mm-hmm. like i've actually i had i made i i once was so was so concerned with like the believability of me having to call it of work that i like took a picture of my like gross foot and i was like here's what i'm dealing with right now Oh and that um, you know like <laughs> and you you crank up like the contrast and yeah, the deep yeah. like the sharpness and exactly. the details and you're like here's all the this grossness is, this is what it looks HDR. like for yeah. real yeah. Yeah. this isn't very good for the episode but honestly whenever i have to call out sick especially if i can text um i just say um i'm gonna be out sick today and then i turn off all notifications and don't respond to anyone I've never had to been prompted to send a picture or if people have asked for follow-up information. They just simply don't get it. So I'm really on the opposite end of this, but I am enjoying the, the tag. It really depends on how unhinged me. your boss is though. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter because if you just say I'm not there and they can't talk to you, okay. what are they going to do? Talk to a fucking wall? When I come back to work, hey, you were sick yesterday. Fucking... Go, going through the notes now, I'm just crossing out I, lying for... to doctors and just <laughs> no. putting down lying (laughs) for yeah for in my experience this has been more helpful for you know having that kind of boss where you're you're like if i if i just call he's gonna hustle me you know he's gonna he's gonna get uh so i'm gonna show up for 30 minutes and then i'm going home right (laughs) but i want you to see me (laughs) and how how sick i am yeah you're like getting ahead of the bullshit yep (laughs) I have one more like prohibited strategy to this if y'all want to hear it. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was in middle school, I would sometimes just want to leave in the middle of the day. So literally I learned how to like control my diaphragm in such a way that it makes me vomit. Mm. So I would just like visibly vomit and then get sent home. Nice. Yeah, I've heard of that before. I've known a few Mm -hmm. people who who figured it out. It's a pro strat. That's it's like that's like next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the worst thing is that like once you develop that strategy, it makes being bulimic a lot easier, which is bad. <laughs> yeah, oh. true. <laughs> get it's a on little, get a little too good at it. That's all you too can good. eat. Yeah. I mean, I actually kind of missed this when we were talking about film. Taking film selfies, the majority of film selfies that you see from you know the mid-century like when people were using film cameras it's, it's a guy taking a picture of himself in the mirror you know uh you, you that's that's how the photographers it, it's, most, mostly did it it's usually a shot in the dark too because again yeah. like you would have to do a setup you don't have a preview image right yep. <laughs> like 
Um, answer is you just have to have a friend do it. You do portraits yeah. of each other. And many and of them are, many of them are, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Polaroids. Wow. It took me a while mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Um, a lot where of those they pictures... just do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of those cameras also have timers on them. The majority yep. of film cameras have timers and that's difficult. You gotta, you gotta hit the shutter and then run. <laughs> I feel like it's and almost then... a different, the selfie is so aligned with like the digital photography era in a lot mm -hmm. of ways there were not that many selfies before yeah it was a, you yeah. would just call it a self-portrait almost right like, mm -hmm. it was yeah, so risky you would you would lose that right. shot most of, you would fuck that shot up most of the imagine yeah. exactly and i think that speaks to what kate was talking about with how important it like there's the the digital photography thing is such a two-edged sword because obviously it can make for very lazy photographers who are just mm -hmm. like click, 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 click. But also the practical nature of having really quickly the ability to take like a hundred still images mm -hmm. and and look at all of them and go, actually, this is the best one is pretty mm -hmm. fucking cool and could not exist with film photography. Um, so... Yeah, I, I always just keep that in mind with like both selfies and pet photography. I can't fucking imagine how hard pet photography would be on film uh, yeah. versus oh. what you can get away with doing digitally as far as just like holding it down and letting, uh, you know, letting the moments happen and just mm -hmm. choosing the weird best looking one of your cat or your dog. Yeah, that's the I, I I've never seen a, a film photo shoot of an animal. It would be. <laughs> I have I seen so a, a, a single piece of film of a single portrait of some animal and that's it that's that's all you're gonna get i've taken some pictures i've taken some some decent portraits of animals uh with my instant camera actually i've got one right here hang on Ooh. i was just getting up opening the that's mic reaching cute. for a camera off screen coming back so this is chud oh a cute photo oh. of old chud this is a nice it. it's a nice photo um mm -hmm. and the only reason it was a nice photo is because one of the things chud really liked to do was go out to the balcony in his apartment and lie down in the sun so because he was in direct sunlight i knew that i could take that photo because i had the light so i probably i mean i'm sure there are several photos from this series i'm sure i had to waste like five bucks because that's how much a, a an instant film exposure costs it costs a dollar um to get that picture but you know it came out and i've done the same thing with with church Graham. if i knew that i had bright light and i could take the risk i would take three or four shots and usually usually get one so you can do it but yeah it must have been just so fucking hard and expensive um but back in the day, they used to they, you develop the roll of film. It would be just this long strip of celluloid, and you'd cut it into I don't remember how many. It was like eight or something exposures, and then you would put those cut strips directly onto the con onto the paper that you were printing onto, and then you would expose you put a piece of glass on top of it so that it pressed down pressed the the film down directly onto the paper and then you would expose that uh so that the pictures would be like an inch square and then you'd have something called a contact sheet which is just the piece of paper with all of the little tiny pictures on it and you can still see these if you you know you could just google contact sheet and it'll show up 
and then they would take uh, a china marker if you were doing like a professional photo shoot you you do your contact sheet and then you take your china marker and you would mark physically on the contact sheet which pictures were good you'd put an x through the pictures that you hated you would you know indicate make little notes about oh i like this the way that the light is falling on her face in this one and there are a lot of contact sheets online that you can look at of celebrities like you know kate moss or marilyn monroe or whatever and they're really nice because you can see all of the pictures that were rejected that didn't get into the book or didn't get into the the magazine which gives you um a, a deeper understanding of like those few minutes or that period of time um, and I always like looking at contact sheets. That was my favorite part of developing film physically was making contact sheets, even though most of the pictures were bad. So. I fucking hated making contact sheets. I never did it. I, I flat refused. I had one assignment where we had to make contact sheet and I was like, that's fun and all. I, I just like to look at them on just the enlarger itself and just blast that light down on and just look at the picture outright. Yeah. yeah. Just raw dog that shit. Just raw dog it. Just <laughs> yeah. get that shit sharp as hell. <laughs> Uh, Lucy, you had a question. Lucy, let it rip. Oh, yeah. So um, one thing that occurred to me that we haven't talked about yet is, and this was kind of like just a fad when it came to, I guess, the broader selfie culture. But um, Kate, do you have an opinion on like the use of a selfie stick to get like a different angle on things? Like, how did you feel about that era of selfie taking? I feel, I mean, again, as usual, I have, you know, 4,000 different thoughts on everything and they're all conflicting with each other. Um, I feel that selfie sticks, I mean, they're a fantastic tool. Um, they, you know, again, I, I feel very strongly that you should kind of use whatever tools you have in your arsenal to create images that are the way that you want them. Um, and, you know, for, for a lot of people, you know, a higher angle can create a better image, you know, whether that's just, you know, the way that you look or, you know, catching more in that specific image, the, they kind of turned into, uh, like a, like a, a hindrance in public. Um, they, they kind of, you know, you, you do still have to kind of exist in, in your own space in public and not necessarily other people's spaces. Um, which that's just, that's just manners, you know? Um, so it, it did kind of lead to people. And I, I feel like that's why they were, they were very, you know, they, they kind of grew controversial, um, because people didn't all use them, use them with the best manners. Um, and they had to specifically ban them on rides at the Disney parks, <laughs> because people people would use them while riding the rides Oof. and bash them into the walls and hit other people's ride vehicles and uh, so they, they had <laughs> they, imagine, had, they like, had actually it's like you're in the back and someone's phone like three rows in front of you gets loose and you just get fucking zinged in the hundred fifty yeah. oh miles God. per Taking hour that phone. like uh, it's uh, in my face real, I'm, though, yeah. I'm stealing that shit it's if you're not you dead. Actually... <laughs> You actually worked at Disney, right? I did. Yes, I worked oh, at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was wonderful. Um, I worked at Disneyland, uh, the one in California, for about a year. Um, Nothing bad it, happened. <laughs> um, I I loved it. I I truly truly loved it. Um, there is this could fill a whole a whole other episode mm -hmm. on its own, um, just because the it truly they when they set out to make Disneyland they set out to make 
make it like going into another world so that there's no glimpses of the world outside of Disneyland. And that literally is what it's like, um, including the behavior of the people who visit. (laughs) (laughs) It is truly, truly like another, another world, uh, both in, in the way that you would meet the nicest, the the kindest human beings you have ever met in your life. And it, it, you know, it it would, it would be like, do you, do you actually live here for real? You know, because I can't imagine you out, out in the world, you know, being, I can't imagine your, your, your good soul out in the world. Also, you would meet people mirroring that in the exact opposite direction where you were like, I cannot imagine how you are out in the world behaving like this and you've made it to however old you are. It was truly, truly, a, <laughs> but it, it also, it was just, uh, I, I love, I love people. I love talking to people. I love kids. I love being around people. I love making people happy. So for, for me, it was a, a perfect job. I absolutely adored it, but you know, with every, as with everything there were also, you know, some moments where I was like, what, what in, in God's name have, have I gotten myself into? God, we, I, we gotta have you, we gotta have you back. Yeah, for like a I, whole I've episode. always appreciated your Those Disney um, secrets. <laughs> What's behind the boat ride? I have always, I've always appreciated you a... your Disney postings. Uh, Wait, hold on. Did you work at the? Did you? Sorry, Jake. Sorry, finish that. Sorry, finish it, Jake. Sorry, hold on. I'll wait. Kate, Kate, Kate does a excited. lot of sharing of the types of people I'm sure she encountered while working at Disneyland, and I love, I love reading those types of weird ass Facebook posts, or the especially people that were in, uh, going nuts mm-hmm. during the pandemic. I truly did not know you had skin in the game, though. So that is that is. Um, that just adds to the context of seeing every time I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's an insider. Yeah, I'm sure you've witnessed it. Yeah. Okay. What is, uh, there's, is it Space Mountain that has a Halloween event called Ghost Galaxy? Is that what I'm remembering? Does this sound familiar? Possibly. Uh, not in Disneyland, though. I believe that's a Disney World. Oh. Yeah. This yeah. motherfucker. This motherfucker. It, uh, I always it, or the between the two, <laughs> I, I've only uh, been to Disney, the Florida one. Yeah. Disneyland is the little bitty one in mm. California. Disney no, World California. is enormous. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. If you, it, it's it's a it's a real treat the first time you see a picture of Disneyland overlaid with Disney World. Oh, uh, okay. It is phenomenally small mm-hmm. <laughs> comparatively. Uh, the and that that was kind of one of the biggest mistakes that they made with Disneyland where they bought the land that was available with no room for expansion. And so all the, you know, all the times they've wanted to expand, they have to tear something else down. Disney world in Florida has in an insane amount of land. So they just, they, they're just playing, they're just playing with it out there. They're just throwing stuff around out there. They have a whole safari. Like <laughs> they have so much land. Um, so Disneyland is, it, it is much, much smaller, but also I, it was a little more, it, it was a little more, I guess, intimate, which kind of sounds like a weird word to use of, you know, uh, to describe a children's park, but uh, it was just, you know, the amount of 
like land that there was made it so people who came to Disneyland a lot, you would probably see them. Uh, people would get, you know, the annual pass come constantly. And, you know, if, you know, if I'm there every day, if you're there once a week, we're probably going to see each other. Uh, people who work at, you know, at Disney World in Florida, I, I can't imagine they've ever seen the same person twice, you know, in their, in their whole life is what I imagine it must be like. That's actually a really funny way to think about it. Cause I've, I, yeah, I would never imagine that you would see a regular at Disneyland. I mean, oh my God. So, so um, many of them. Yeah. That's so funny. That's, that's actually mm-hmm. kind of cool I, in a weird way. If, if they're cool people, if they're not cool people, then it sucks. Oh yeah. There are lots of people who have passes and they just mm. go, they go, you know, many so times. That, <laughs> uh, annual pass holders. Um, they, like like any super fan of anything are either wonderful people or unbelievably entitled and the ones who were problems uh they're called pass holes is what <laughs> we call yeah. them Annu- right, sure. An- annual pass holes incredible did um did i mean there's just pins? so many types of guy any pens did you have pins that people wanted to trade with you uh so <laughs> yes um i actually have not not a ton and they're all you know just ones that i've bought and kept um if a uh disney parks employee is trading with you um those are Im- provided by the company so i worked in Fantasyland. um there were like the little belts and there was just bins and bins of pins and you would have i don't nine maybe um and they would you know send you out there they weren't great pens because if you go out there with a, a whole, you know, purse of great pens, yeah. you lose them pretty quick. You're going to be torn apart. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so any pen trading that you do, um, like while on the clock, those are all pens that we just had in the Fantasyland office. Um, I do have some that I just bought and kept, you know, because I like them a lot of, uh, a lot of stitch. Um, they make real cute pens of stitch. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, usually if someone's, if someone's training with you at the, at the park, they're not their pens. I'm a big stitch fan. If anyone didn't understand this part of the conversation, there's a mechanic in Disneyland where you can trade little collectible pins and you can force the employees to give you their pins. Give me your fucking badges. Oh my and you God. Make the, do they, do they just get one or do you, they have to give you one? They have to give you one. And then, I mean, it's not super strict. You know, if a if if a if a eight year old is like, I'll give you this one, but I can't decide between these two, and you want to make his day, you know, it's not like a one in one thing, but yeah, you know, that's kind of the concept, and it's not really like people never really, uh, <laughs> people never really c- kind of tried to hustle you out of them. Um, you know, it's it is a trading mechanism, so they did expect to give me one to get one back. Um, but, uh, and this wasn't like, I'm sure this isn't in like the employee handbook or whatever, but there is like, you don't say no, you don't say no to them. Like <laughs> if it, it doesn't matter what they're giving That's you, shitty if, pin it's, skin. if it's the worst pen you've ever seen in your life. And this might, I'm not sure if this would come as a shock to anyone, but there is a massive counterfeit pin market. Yeah, of course. Disney, mm. Disney pins have been around for a long time. They come so- out. You're halt, you know, every are they like giving seasonally. you a, are they giving you a pin? What do you do with it? You just put it on, you have you have your little pouch, you have your little bag, and you pin them all to the front. 
you hand them a pen, they give you one back, and then you just leave them because you know they're you just they're... leave it on display, and someone can retrade <laughs> their traded pin. It, yeah. Okay. Once it, it it's just a direct one in one transaction. As long That's as someone what... is willing to give you one pen, you give them one pin back. Conspiratorial um... <laughs> part of my brain is on fire right now. You're just trying to speak to me. Oh, let me like add to this it. Let me secret add to world. It. Jake, let me add I'm to sorry. It. Go on. Okay, here's my exposure to pins. Yeah, I actually pin. did not know. I, I guess I knew it was a Disney thing in the back of my head. I didn't realize it was something that like actively goes on all the time at Disneyland. It's huge. But um, I have countless Olympic pins because my father used to work with the Olympics and um, also with Coca-Cola. And so as a kid, I never traded pins, but my dad would come home with like, Heaps of them, and I had um like a big wall, a big like what do you call it? like just like a, a piece of cloth that was hanging off of a bar in my wall, like a big scroll. Mm-hmm. Except it was yeah, like a like a banner. Yeah. And I'm sure they sell these at Disneyland. Like I'm sure, yeah, a banner in mm-hmm. which you can display all of your pins. Mm-hmm. And so I've had that in my in my kids' room forever. I had to take it down recently. I was kind of wondering, like, <laughs> I, I I I kept them somewhere. They're in a storage unit. And I want to look up the value of them someday. And I want to find some Disney crossovers too. But it's just so that, that to, to, to like speak to what you're saying, Michelle, that the pin thing is so wild. It's a very fun, I mean, it's collecting, you know, I collected magic cards for a while. But um, as a kid, you have these like shiny objects and they all have little cool things and they all have different cool, I mean, now enamel pins are huge. This was the barter. genesis of that. When you're a child, you just want to barter. You don't get to yeah. experience a trade economy when you have yeah. your pokemon cards and you're like oh fuck and you just come to school and you're like i just need to barter with someone please anything yeah i want to trade yeah. some energy and there's like and olympic uh, pin traders who i'm sure overlap with disney pin traders mm. uh, kate it's you were saying wild. yeah uh a big part of it um between you know just two guests it, which is you know what, what we had to call customers sorry it's very easy to slip back into it uh yeah. back into the lingo um but kind of the the dynamic too between two guests is like if you if someone has one and you want to trade them one they don't have to do it they they can tell you no you know if if you're trying to give them some you know piece of crap for one of their pins that is super rare they can just tell you to f off it's like you know it's like pokemon cards uh like they they can just you know tell you to pound sand like the 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 kind of unofficial rules of course you know when you're an employer, you're not trading with your own pins. Um, I mean, you could like there, you know, if you had one in your pocket and someone had one to trade, like, like, of course they're not going to, you know, fire you for like some kind of illicit pin trade or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're just using the ones that are provided, you know, of course you, you don't tell them no, like for, there's no reason that you would. And also, you know, so it was one of those rules that's like not a rule, but also like, everyone kind of knew it you know but Mm -hmm. if you're if if you're you know just some guy and you ask you know just some other guy if you can trade pens he can just tell you no you know so to that to that point then it's also kind of a well do i have anything good enough to trade this guy for something that i really want you know is anything that i have what am i willing to give up for this you know and people have their their lists of pens 
uh, you know, their wish lists, like their, their unicorns of pins, you know, because they, they bring them out, you know, yearly and then for every holiday and there's, you know, they'll be stamped with the years and everything. And the designs are different, you know, and, and people genuinely would be like, I need the one from 2009 that they did during the flower festival. And if I don't get it, I'm going to die. Like, and that would be, you know, it, it was, it was like everything to them, you know? So to then it's, you know, that way it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's like the stock market for kids. Exactly. Like, were these all, were they ever like seeded in different rarities to you all as employees? Were they like, okay, here you get 25 of these and only one of these. No, like away. I said, okay. it was, it was basically the like there, there's so many people that were coming in and out every day. You know, mm-hmm. it, it literally is just, it's a little pouch that has kind of, you know, like you said, just like a big piece of cloth. Um, it's, and you pin, you know, nine pins or whatever on there. Um, but like I said, none of these were real top tier pins. If okay. they were, if they so were, they were separate gone. Yeah. 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 I no mean, chases. the, yeah. You're walking, we you're walking it, around with comments. The employees so would steal them all. Yeah. They were fucking exactly. In the employee That's, bucket, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm someone's taking that, that shit home. Uh-huh. It's going yeah. to eBay. Yeah. 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 And this was sort of, yeah, it was, it was sort of like, you didn't have to, you know, um, if you were doing something that, that involved, you know, greeting, um, it was kind of, you know, it was encouraged. Um, Mm -hmm. but it also wasn't mandatory. Like you didn't line up every day when you clocked in and get your pin, your little pin pouch. Um, it kind of was something that it was encouraged, you know, you, it was elected, you know, you would elect to do it. You'd go grab it, whatever amount of pins were on there, you know, you'd, 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 uh, add a couple more to get to whatever number it was. And then, and you, you know, the just wear it for people to get pens or anything like no. that. No. Yeah, uh-uh. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm That's just, funny. I'm this sorry. I'm just set up for a heist movie. That's what I, yeah. Something about, <laughs> something about stealing the rare Disney pins is bubbling in my brain right and, now. Uh, oh. And like I said, there is actually a big um, counterfeit yeah. pen market yeah. for like the, the, the older ones, the ones that are really limited, you know, there's like misprints. Like it's, it's a, it's a whole thing, you know, and, and they, they kind of taught us like, of course I'm out of practice now, but I, uh, like, I used to be able to tell a, a, a fake one from a real one, you know, just, yeah. uh, just uh, <laughs> the quality cool. would be, the quality would be lower, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, the, the enamel on it would be like off center, like, so especially with like the princesses, it was like, that's not what her face is supposed to look like. That's not, but of course, like, uh, as, as an employee, you, even if you're taking a fake, like, even if you know it, like you just let it happen. Like it doesn't matter. But sometimes I was like, I want you to know that I know that this is fake. <laughs> I want you to know that you didn't do a good job. Mm. Wherever you got this, you should not go back you do, there. You do the wood nickel bite. Mm. Oh my uh-huh. God. And you put That's it in your true. fucking That's pocket. No good. You should oh, throw it in be, the trash in be, front uh, of them. You walk over there would be, uh, 15 feet and put it in a trash can. There would be sharp on the edges sometimes which like oh, come uh, the fuck on yeah it's been in your pocket all day dude get some <laughs> right, no, they, they had a whole rub yeah. it on a stone fuck just just for the uninitiated but uh, when she's referring to sharp that's uh metal shavings lining the the edges of the uh machine pressed piece of metal i'm not shitty weed grinder you're gonna get some of that yeah. you gotta get in there with some little clippers i'm imagining you pulling off. out a jeweler's loop yeah uh, <laughs> Well, the thing is, like, usually it's not it's not even that hard to tell. There'd be weird and heavy. Uh, they there's like the Disney. There's a print of like Fucking Disney lead and yeah, <laughs> it's just lead and like watercolor. It's heavy. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was uh, usually pretty easy to tell, but 
not you weren't allowed to call him out or anything which i i do wish i i feel like that would have been very funny at some point like come on to be able to call the disney cops on them and get them yeah, exactly out. you're going to you're going to disney jail hey, everybody we got a faker over here uh, <laughs> is that what the cops oh, sound God. like yeah, they all sound like goofy. <laughs> yes. It's yes. just all goofy. It's, it's, it's just twelve. A, it's just twelve a, goofies. He's in a mascot it's, costume, totally, but it has yeah. police shit on it. Yeah, right. Black oh, goofies come out of just nowhere. Open carry and seven. Just seven goofies. Oh, no. they just keep coming. Eight goofies with dra- the dra- <laughs> I, I, I absolutely. Put him in a absolutely, I absolutely feel drawn into this fucking Lovecraftian secret world whereupon we we imagine generals in the distance trading their their medals for gallantry and war, much like y'all in Disney, but uh, <laughs> holy shit, that is the most I've ever talked about pins in my adult Listen, life. Listen, I just wanted, I wanted to open a conversation Not that that's about... Negative. I want Pinkin to know that they can just do this shit at like any event in public. Mm-hmm. We don't have to leave it in Disneyland. Power structures be damned. <laughs> Let's just make pin trading open. I mean, technically, uh, the worst they can say is no. You know, like if you if you ask some stranger if you can have their you know their their dick butt pin off their purse, and you know, and you'll give them whatever <laughs> oh it is God. that <laughs> my limited edition dick butt. There he is. I gotta have it. I gotta have it, and I'll give and I'll give you my my Halloween awesome. pushing from off my denim jacket Uh-oh, like they all they can say mm, is no that's fair that's like a you're not getting a bad deal in terms as of long as, as long as as long as you take you know if they say no and and you know as long as you take it all right all right i just asked <laughs> like, all right man you know and then you're standing next to each do? other on the bus for five more minutes uh, <laughs> Oh no, I just walk off. I just <laughs> open the doors, walk the off the moving, off your fucking walk bus. off the moving. Uh, well, pull the rope. Okay. That was the fucking only reason roll. I was here. But, but yeah, and that no. Also, so, if they get surly with you, if you put enough pins on something, it will become a weapon. Uh huh. Those are heavy pins. Uh, to, to that end, uh, Eliza wanted to kind of wrap us up and some closing thoughts, and then I'll just roll up buddies. Yeah. It's it's been a bit. It's been a, a little bit. Um, I think I think we got a whole other episode in. Oh, us we would love on, to have uh, you back to talk Disney more in depth. On Disney, Dave. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I would. Lo- I there is nothing I love more. I, I have, just have. It was yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, just a couple closing remarks on selfies. We we we've been over. Don't be afraid of the camera. You're gonna get bad pictures out of it. Just expect them. It's you don't have to show anybody. They're just for you and the FBI. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about posture because that's actually a thing. Ruben's right. Uh, Something that I was taught in photo shoots, which has really gotten me a long way, is whether you are inhaling or exhaling changes your whole body stance considerably. so if you are inhaling and you got a chest full of air, that makes you look confident and powerful. But if you want to convey more of a, a vulnerable look or a willowy kind of delicate look, exhaling is what you want to do because it changes the way that your your body and your spine is curved. And this is just something, you know, you want to experiment with a camera in front of a mirror and see how you look different ways. 
um, ways to tell if you've got a good side or a bad side. I, I for example, have uh, a weird little divot on the left side of my nose. It's just, you know, something that is different from the right side of my nose. So technically the right side of my face is usually photographs better. Um, usually people have, nobody is symmetrical. We've all got serious asymmetry going on. So the asymmetry in your face is going to make a difference about which direction you photograph better. Um, and the other thing is lighting. Lighting is so tricky because you can look fine in a mirror with really bad light because your eyes are a super effective camera and your brain is doing a lot of adjustments to the image that's coming in through your eyeballs. So a lot of times one of the, the surprising and shocking things about selfies is that you look great in the mirror in the light, but you take the selfie and it looks like shit. And that's mm -hmm. just because your, your camera is not as good as your eye and your brain mm -hmm. for processing that image. So you want to avoid harsh overhead light and you want to avoid harsh under light. And dramatic looks, light can come from the side, one side or the other. And that's usually about angles. Sometimes you can look really bad if you've got harsh light coming from the side. And sometimes you just look really dramatic and cool. So that's just, you know, a matter of adjusting the way that your head is facing in tiny increments, just a little bit at a time, and take that picture again. Um, so that's why ring lights are so good, because the light is not coming harshly from any direction at all. Really good places to take selfies right in front of a, of a window. Because uh, the that light often, especially sun. if there's like an overhang or something, that light is going to come in soft and hit your face in a flat, nice way. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, famously in his his book on just painting techniques, says that his favorite place to put a model for doing a portrait is right in the doorway of their house, underneath a white muslin piece of fabric. And he's right. We when I was in a a classical atelier art school where they had us do all of these methods that were you know a thousand years old we had a skylight in the you know warehouse space that we were in and we got on a big ass ladder and we hung that white piece of muslin over the skylight and it made a huge difference it made all of our all of our models all of our portrait models just look amazing because it that light is a soft box that that sheet of of white material breaks up the beams of light that are coming through and you know messes them all up and makes them soft just like putting uh, something powdered through a sifter and it hits your face in a soft way and usually soft light is more flattering because it tends to erase uh, weird textures or like overhangs eye bags that kind of thing so you know the best light you're going to get is standing in front of just a flat white uh, smoothly lit surface. Um, actually, LED displays and like malls and stuff like that, or a really bright computer monitor can produce that kind of light, which is handy. They also make clip-on ring lights for cameras. If you want to take your phone out, you can just clip a clip a little ring light. Those are super cheap, battery powered. Um, those are good for parties and stuff if you're out taking pictures with your friends, and. You know, if you're taking body shots, like if you're taking nudes, a lot can be done with like twisting your torso in certain ways. If you want to make your stomach look smaller, depends on what your goals are, obviously. But if you're looking for like getting closer to the, uh, you know, sort of standard idealized form, there's lots of tricks for that that models use and celebrities 
tensing your stomach muscles. You usually don't want to suck in so much because that makes your rib cage stick out in a weird way. Um, shooting from above, like Kate was talking about, is nice because it hides your double chin. And I would say almost everybody on Earth has a double chin at one angle or another. Uh, and that's that's true unless you've had quite a lot of surgery because that's just how our neck bends when we move our heads around. Um, tension in the face, like Kate was talking about, is a big one. She was saying that she does, you know, theater exercises to like stretch out and relax her face. So being able to make facial expressions is uh, connected to also the ability to stop making facial expressions, which is even more difficult. Um, stuff like, you know, sort of raising your eyebrows softly in a way that kind of opens your eyes up but doesn't wrinkle your forehead. That's a really subtle muscle movement and it takes practice. So if you're interested in, you know, taking selfies or just or like actual portraits of yourself, all of this stuff is skills that you can learn. None of it is impossible. You know, um, models who are really good at what they do, like the supermodels of the 90s, all of those women had incredible muscle control of their faces. And some really good ones to look at are uh, Mila Jovovich, um, who was a supermodel in the 90s before she started doing mostly movies, which is, she was just more interested in doing that. But as a model in high fashion campaigns, she was very expressive. And it's interesting to look at those techniques and sort of apply them to yourself. Because even if you don't look like a model, if you're not seven feet tall and 100 pounds, those techniques of moving your body and moving your face are still going to benefit you. And it's still an interesting and useful skill to have, even if it's just something that you do for fun. So I support it. I support taking selfies. I support posting them. Um, and I especially support educating yourself about the little tricks that people use to make themselves look better on a computer screen, because that is a brain worm and it can fuck you up really bad to just be scrolling through thousands of pictures a day of people who look perfect. Um, it sucks. It fucks you up. It's so bad. And I believe so strongly in it that the pictures that I post now, uh, you know, one of my jobs right now is modeling. I've, I've got a Patreon where I just post modeling photos. And one of the things that I do when I post a photo shoot is I have a retouching disclosure at the bottom of the post. And the retouching disclosure says, um, this picture was edited in the following ways. And I'll say, I used Lightroom to adjust the exposure and the, the light. I erased some zits. I erased some cellulite. I erased some stretch marks. I did, you know, body tuning or whatever it is that I do. Um, and I'll just That's post true. it there because having that information, it, it really helps your brain. You know, you're not looking at a real raw picture of a person as it appeared in space. You're looking at a, a piece of work that somebody did little adjustments to, you know, that somebody yeah, marked up. And, uh, and just like as, as an individual person, um, something that I find like weirdly helpful, weirdly enlightening is uh, go download uh, I don't know, face app or like the, the beauty plus or like the strongest image editing software you can find and run a couple of your pictures through it because mm -hmm. it is unbelievable mm -hmm. how, how much you can change your, your face, your body, everything about your face in just a couple of clicks and oh, yeah. being able to see how quickly and how easily and how much you can change you know, the entire way that you look, it'll help you to identify that, 
you know, in other people in the future and also kind of break you, you know, you know, like, like Eliza said, uh, you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Um, and it kind of, it'll be able to break you out of thinking that, you know, this is what all these people really look like. So there must be something really wrong with me. Um, but there's, there's not like, I, I have a, uh, um, a pretty, uh, uh, yassified picture yeah, of myself coming I fucking as my, <laughs> okay as my as my twitter avatar right now um and the way that I did that is I just went on to face app um through like six different processes over the top of each other and cranked them all up to 11 um and it does create that kind of ridiculous caricature but in the process of doing that you know you do see that you know, if I had taken that down to, to maybe like, you know, one or two, it is still, you know, you can tell, still tell that it's me, you know, but the, like, like I wasn't even aware of how well it worked until I downloaded it just for the purpose of, of, of making, you know, this kind of caricature. Um, but I, I didn't even know how well it worked until I, until I downloaded it, you know, did a couple of clicks and I was like, oh, oh, okay. It's not, you know, the, the technology has gotten so advanced that, that it's not easy to recognize anymore because you're like a computer probably couldn't do that, but it can so easily. No one, no one looks like that. That's not what anyone looks like. And seeing, like looking at it, you know, throwing a couple of filters over your pics and being like, that's not what I look like at all, you know, helps you recognize that in the future. Yeah. You can start to spot things. You can start to be like, okay, if this model was really posing like this, her ribs would be sticking out more. Or I know for a fact that a model that was bending over this way would have tummy rolls. So they've definitely erased those tummy rolls. I know that for a fact. One of the things I learned doing like, you know, runway shows and being backstage with models getting dressed and undressed is even these women who were six feet tall and a hundred pounds and looked perfect in all of their photos and were way more professional than I was. If I got in line to get onto the runway behind this bitch, I see her cellulite. I see it. It's in the backstage, unflattering light, top-down light. She's bending over or she's like flexing or something. Everybody has stretch marks. Everybody has cellulite. Absolutely everyone has a mustache, has zits, has acne scars from when they were a kid or ch- a chicken pox scars i'm covered in chicken pox scars stuff like that you know and the sheer amount of work that all of these makeup and hair artists had to do on these women to make them look presentable to walk down a runway for 30 seconds women who were 19 years old and perfect still had to sit in a makeup chair for two hours and then walk down a runway that was professionally lit you know so looking at it and learning about it as an art form as a skill as opposed to something that is innate and i think to a certain extent you know you beauty is innate that's a kind of a different conversation but in terms of just like presentation of how people look that's all skill that's all craft you know so i want everybody to put that into their brains adjust their worldviews you know maybe it'll it'll kill some of the brain worms that we all got going on um it helps it helps to know about this stuff absolutely i guess that's it for me anybody else got closing remarks i just agree in that like i i I can i can sit here and tell you as someone who knew a lot less about photoshop 
five years ago than I do now. It, it like I, I, I stand before you as a testament that it does change how you think of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll like, as a side like of it, like I, there's also stuff that I just have less trouble grasping conceptually. I don't know, like something about learning how photos get processed in Photoshop did help me understand like um, a larger complexity of design and also just making things look good. It's effort. Not, almost nothing looks good just off of a single click, basically. Right. <laughs> I think it's also worthwhile to note that uh, what, what Eliza and Kate have been talking about is also just like like it it is a part of the work it is it is a a cultivated considered thing like your outward appearance to others uh oftentimes is part of your work which is Mm, you know it's a discipline unto itself not just uh you know yeah yeah there's obviously the makeup work and stuff but also uh yeah i mean it, it it I, I think about this uh, at one of the one of the jobs I'm working on, like anyone in the front facing part of the building, uh, especially now because the mask mandates are basically done. Uh, so they are all very considerate about like how they are aesthetically and and like, yeah, sometimes they will have like shit for touch ups and 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 various like uh, concealers, et cetera, just because it's this. It's that that's their bread and butter. They've got to do that, and they've got to like, like nod and smile at it. Uh, sometimes very courteous, sometimes very impolite people. Uh, you know, any any public facing job, you know, like that's it's going to be you know a different discipline versus just the composition itself. It's true. Uh, uh Kate, I wanted to give you an opportunity to plug uh yourself or anything. I know you do like some Twitch streaming, um uh but just also if you wanted to talk about where you're at on Twitter before Um so I am on um punished underscore Kate and that is C A I T, not K A T E, punished underscore Kate. Um I was doing some Twitch streaming for a while, um but I'm about to start a new job, so that might have to, you oh. know, get pushed off a little further. No worries. Congrats on that. Um, thank you. Um, I'm actually going to be working at a cemetery, which That's is... Cool. <laughs> That's what's up. That sounds fucking cool. Are you going to make the plots or dig yeah. a hole? Uh, no, I'm going to... Yeah, no, I'm going to be... Um, dig hole. Uh, dig killing? Hole. Dig I'm going to be... <laughs> Job security. Job security. Making clients. Cinderella. Yep. Ruben outfit. Just Lee. digging I, holes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but the other, the other thing I actually did want to, uh, my only closing remark is that, um, the reason I wasn't familiar with Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy, I looked it up and it is in Hong Kong Disneyland. Oh, no, it's in the I California like, one. I posted a video of it in the California Hong Kong? One. Well, no, it's in California. I've been uh, on it. Ruben, are you sure about that? It might have been. I was there. It might, not, it might have been a re. It might have been a rebrand, Ruben. Disneyland Space but, Mountain. I feel when you accidentally during Halloween. Hong Kong becomes Hong Kong Space Disneyland. Mountain. Ruben has smoked Hong, on that Hong, shit that Hong, leaves him in Hong, Hong Kong, Kong Space Mountain. Oh no. It, it looks like they it's just a, a cosmetic overlay. For yeah, it's a cosmetic Space overlay Mountain. of Space Mountain. They make it a little spooky <laughs> and the music's a little scarier. And you see like Damn a little it. hologram Did ghost you, space Did ghost. You just want to ask Kate oh. if she had I wanted to it? ask if you were at that Disneyland was the only difference that they put a little bit of ghosts in the stars. <laughs> 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 
no, no. You can go watch footage of oh a regular uh, mountain run in a Ghost Galaxy run, and there's like a scary the, uh, ghoul in the star project, projection. And I was like, is that all they did? I gotta know. Oh, no. The ghosts are always in there. <laughs> <laughs> Base Mountain yeah, is a haunted house ride uh, year round. Know that. <laughs> My fucking God. The, the Space Mountain cars actually go through the haunted mansion at oh, one point. No. Like uh-huh. you didn't know that. They do. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. You think they'd have more space or budget at Disneyland to have a separate Ghost Galaxy and the haunted house is a separate zone. Well, no, no. The, I I just want to say I want to say you know I'm gonna have to eat crow here, Ruben. You're right. Uh, it was at Hong Kong Disneyland and it is current at Disneyland. I guess. Oh. All right. Well, hey. I was not. Yeah. Uh, we're, they, we're a humble show. As a, Galaxy. as a, Galaxy, as, you? you know, as a, in my own defense, um, you're actually, this, this sounds like an excuse, but also it's just a very funny fact. Um, when you are working, um, each, uh, land. So I worked in fantasy land. Um, you are, you have a very, very, very specific uniform, which they call a costume. And if you are on stage, meaning on you know at clocked in at work if you are on stage in your costume they do not want you in the other lands they don't want your fancy little norwegian (laughs) high-waisted green pants in uh tomorrowland where all the cool robot stuff is so the immersion they never like did you ever try to shop like the we could act like we're lost we could make it like an expeditionary kind of thing we take a couple crew members we have to clean up some vomit what is this strange place and your leader goes and (laughs) make a little show of it while you sweep up the vomit yeah it does it does take some to you know uh, a little bit of walking to get from uh from land to land so luckily i never managed to just wander in there by accident but get executed by the goofy squad <laughs> uh all right well, all right yeah I, needless to say we'd love to talk about that more later yeah yeah and, the, and that note yeah everybody it's it's been a wonderful it's been a wonderful time i'm 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 wondering if my dmt death dream will explicitly involve cross-contamination of disney worlds and uh if i'm crossing over into one of them uh people that would be joining me doing this as always uh jake the producer ruben the ruben eliza gager uh sometimes an elf uh lucy always <laughs> working in the coal mines Thank you, do, Kate, lucy. appreciate you being a wonderful guest it was nice speaking to you and hopefully we we talk about uh who's lived and who's died when you've been getting like your rare Disney slash, I guess, Pokemon gym badges. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I appreciate everyone's time. Uh, I'm Michelle Perez. This has been the pig iron podcast. Uh, Good night.